Listen, let's get right into the word. I want to call your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 10. I'm going to read the latter part of that verse, but I do challenge you to read the entire chapter for we'll give you a fuller context of what God will say to us on, on this occasion. All right? And as you're turning there, I just want to share this as I've shared with all of the um, congregations um, that you notice that while I'm preaching today, I have these gummy bears up here. All right. I have that because I wrestle with anxiety. And uh, when the pandemic started, my anxiety went to a whole nother level. And believe it or not, eating the gummy bears helps me out. Now, just to ease your, your mind, these are regular gummy bears. <laughs> I guarantee there was just one. Like, I wonder what kind of gummy bears are those. I only mention that because I didn't want you to think like, you know, he's so disrespectful up there eating in the pulpit so that you kind of know, all right? God can use you even when you got anxiety, all right? There is no secret what God can do. If he can do it with me, he can do it with you as well, all right? Listen, here's what the Word of God says. It's, it's the B clause of this, this one verse. Again, I, I challenge you to read the entire chapter because I believe it will give us a fuller context. Here is what the Apostle Paul says to us today. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I'll, I'll read it one more time. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For the next few minutes we should share together, here's what I'm going to talk about. Being strong is overrated. All right? Being strong is overrated. Is that all right? Being strong is overrated. Of late, we've all been reminded of our mortality, haven't we? As we've had to face a pandemic that has claimed the lives of millions of people, as we've had to deal with the ongoing news of mass shootings that partially happened because this country refuses to tighten up on gun laws, and as we've also had to deal with the loss of loved ones who die as a result of some disease, disaster, or some difficult situation. I believe that one of the lessons that we all can learn from this is that you can be old or young, you can be healthy or unhealthy, you can be rich or poor, you can even be saved or unsaved, and life losses and life difficulties can come knocking on the door of your life. I agree with Dr. George Fishburne when he says that Death and difficulty, it's not the opposite of life. He says it's actually a part of life. With that being said, let me ask you this question. And that question is, as you begin to look at this heightened season of loss and this heightened season of difficulty that many of us are going through, my question to you is, how are you handling this season? You know, I really want to get in your business. How are you handling it? it it's this is an unusual season of loss and difficulty. How are you managing this season? If the truth be told, some of our responses is not so positive. We begin to look at some of us and how we're responding to this season of heightened difficulty, a season of heightened difficulty and loss. Some of us are responding to this season through what I like to call self-destructive behavior. This is where some of us are so frustrated with life losses and the difficulty that we've gone through, we've just decided, man, I'm going to live life how I want to live it. I don't care what Pastor Johnson says. I don't care what my small group leader says. None of that seems to be working. And so I'm going to just live a self-destructive life. After all, you only got one life to live. 
Some of us, it's self-destructive behavior. And then for others of us, it's what we call spiritual neglect. And this is where some of us have decided to quit on the spiritual disciplines of life uh, because of the loss and the difficulty that we've gone through. I, I don't, I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm, I'm going to have show up to church. I'm so frustrated. As a matter of fact, in this season, my main frustration is with God. I mean, how he going to allow me to go through this? I mean, he can do it for my neighbor. They ain't as faithful as me. But for me to go through, and I come to church every Sunday, I pray every day, I'm faithful, and God going to allow me to go through? Bump that. Spiritual neglect. And then there are those who say, well, the way in which I have decided to respond in this season is by trying to be strong. I mean, that's what they tell you to do, right? When things get difficult, when you go through seasons of loss, right, people come up and say, just be strong, man. Be strong, girl. Now, allow me to say that there is nothing wrong with being strong, but there is something wrong with attempting to be strong when we exclude being vulnerable from the process. We know people like this, don't we? They act like they're all right when things are really not all right, right? We know folk like this. They, they refuse to show any sign of weakness because to them being weak is a negative thing. We know people like this, right? They, they refuse to get counseling from a licensed professional because they reject being in any environment that provokes vulnerability. We know people like this, don't we? These are the people who think that the way to live this season of their life is by trying to get more success, more success, because the more success that they get, it helps them basically not deal with the trauma that they are running from and that they're currently dealing with in their private life. Dr. Brainy Brown once said that vulnerability is the core, the heart, uh, the heart, the center of meaningful human experience. Brown also goes on to say that the average person sees vulnerability in others more as positive, but in themselves, they see it as a sign of weakness. Studies show that people who fail to be vulnerable are at greater risk of depression, anxiety disorder, seasonal affective disorder, high blood pressure, hypertension, just to name a few. What are you trying to say? I mention all of that today just to basically make this, this one point, and it is simply this. Watch this, just maybe being strong is overrated. Notice I didn't say that being strong is useless. Because while I believe there are moments we must be strong trying to do so without embracing being vulnerable, robs us of one of the greatest treasures that life has to offer. You're not there with me yet, but maybe you will go with the Apostle Paul. Maybe this is what the Apostle Paul is attempting to share with us in this passage. Notice the language of the text. Paul says, for when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. Notice how he places weakness in front of being strong. I, I think I need to share with you that Paul here in this particular passage, he is literally restating the paradoxical nature of his life and ministry, which says that when he is helpless and vulnerable, Jesus Christ empowers him to endure and to fulfill his vocation. Now, for those of you who have your pen and your paper, this would be the time to take it out. Because in this sermon today, I'm going to offer to you just one point. That's it. I only got one point to this sermon. And I'm going to continue to replay this one point over and over again. And so you need to remember this one point because I'm going to ask you, did you remember by the end of the sermon? Here it is. The one point of the sermon is simply this. It's in a sentence, and here's how I want to give it to you. 
possessing godly strength to manage life's difficulties doesn't start with us being strong, but it starts with us being weak. That, that, that's the one point of the sermon. Okay, let me see if I can say it like this. In essence, when life gets difficult, your initial response shouldn't be to display strength, but it should be to display weakness because God gives strength to weak people. That, that, that's the basic point of the sermon. And to be honest with you, I could have sat down right there, but because I only got a few amens, I'm going to continue to build this and build this until hopefully we all get it. Notice what the Apostle Paul here says. Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, I know. Some of you, you're thinking about putting up the Baptist finger and leaving. You're like, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm not really feeling this sermon. And the reason why I'm not feeling this sermon because there's no way I'm going to be weak and there's no way I'm going to be vulnerable. No, that, that, I, I can't do that. that that's because being weak and being vulnerable is not in my vocabulary. I was taught to be strong. I was taught to be strong. I, no, weak, being vulnerable. No, 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 wait, wait. I'm, I'm out of here, Reverend. I mean, you're wasting my time. And maybe the reason why you're acting like that is because you need me to tell you that, that maybe you have a limited perspective of what weakness is. And so today, in today's sermon, I want to offer to you, and I want to share with you that there are at least two types of weaknesses, all right? There are at least what? Two types of weaknesses. I want to offer them to you. One type of weakness that I want to offer to you is what I like to call toxic weakness. And then another type of weakness that I want to offer to you is what's called healthy weakness, all right? Now, to make certain that y'all are tracking with me, everybody repeat after me, say toxic weakness. Come on, say it like you mean. Say toxic weakness. And then say healthy weakness. All right? Now, those of you who have your notepapers, I want to give you the definition or my definition of toxic weakness. All right? Here it is. My definition of toxic weakness, it is this. Here is how I want to define toxic weakness. Toxic weakness, this is how we're defining. Toxic weakness is simply this. It is when a person uses their flaws their failures and frustrations as an excuse to live an unproductive life. All right? We got it up on the screen? There we go. All right. Come on. Let's go over it again. How are we defining it? It is when a person uses their what? Their flaws, their failures, and frustrations as an excuse to live an unproductive life. <laughs> I like what Dr. Samantha Hines once said. When Dr. Samantha Hines says these words, she says, when life presents us with great frustrations, she says, it's all right to cry just as long as we refuse to keep crying in the same spot. <laughs> in essence, here is what Samantha Hines is attempting to share with us. There is never an excuse good enough to live life unproductively. Okay, let me see if I can say it like this. The death of a loved one is not an excuse to live the rest of your life wasting your life. I'm saying it's okay to mourn. I'm saying it's, it's okay to cry. But at some point, you're going to have to get up. At some point, you're going to have to decide that there is life after death. Am I making sense? Okay, y'all sit. 
up, up. Maybe I need to say it like this. Just because you've gone through a season where relationship after relationship has, has failed and it just seemed like everybody you get in relationship with, for some reason it fails. And so now you're in a season where you're saying, well, maybe I need to lower my standards. No. I don't care how many relationships have fallen. I don't care how many relationships have failed. That is not an excuse for you to lower your standards. They may look good on the outside, but you better make certain that they got some God on the inside. I, I don't care how many doors have closed in your face. This is not the season for you to have a pity party. No, this is the season for you to get up and knock on some new door. Let's go over toxic weakness again. What's the definition? Come on, let's go over it again. It is when a person uses their flaws, their failures, and frustrations as an excuse to live an unproductive life. That's toxic weakness. But wait, 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 because there's also what I call healthy weakness. And here is how I want to define healthy weakness. Here's how we define it. Healthy weakness, it is this. It is when a person acknowledges their flaws, failures, and frustrations while submitting to God's strength program and process for their lives. I don't think I'm coming through like I, I really want to. Um, I don't know if y'all can tell, uh, but of late, I've been working out. Um, I, I know you can't tell yet, but, but of late, man, I've been going to the gym. I got me a trainer. And, man, I'm in there. And, and it, I started a few weeks ago, and, and my trainer, man, made me really upset, made me really mad. First day, first day made me upset, right? Uh, he made me upset because he made me do exercises and drills that I, I wasn't strong enough, neither was I in shape enough to do on the first day. I was upset with my trainer. I was like, dude, why would you do that? It's the first day. And can I tell you what my trainer said? He says, Keelan, you got to understand, man, this is the first day. This is the first session. And he says, my aim on the first day was not to highlight your strengths, but it was to expose it was to expose, it was to expose your weakness. Because if I'm going to make you stronger, if I'm going to make you stronger, I can't just highlight your strengths. I've got to have some times where I expose your weakness. Come here. Because you might be going through a season, and I know you don't like the season that you're currently going through. But maybe God has ordained this season of difficulty that you feel like, I don't like this season. I don't like it. It's frustrating. Maybe God has ordained this season for you because God is saying it is in this season that I want to expose your weaknesses. This may be tough for some of us because some of us live in a world where we only want our strengths to be on display. We want to be told how amazing we are. We want to be told how good of a job we're doing. We want to be told how successful we are. I, I like what Dr. Maurice Watson says. Dr. Maurice Watson says that one of the main reasons why a lot of Christians can't mature to the level that God wants them to mature to is because many Christians today are what he calls, watch this, compliment addicts. Always want folk to compliment us, right? Even when we ain't done nothing, to deserve the compliment. But this is not how God operates with us. Sometimes in order for God to mature us, he decides to take us through seasons of difficulty because he knows that it's in that season 
that he exposes those weak areas of our lives. And I guess I need to share this with somebody because I know some of us can testify, Rem, you talk in my language because God is obviously exposing some weakness, weaknesses in my relationships, weaknesses in my faith, weakness on my job. It's, I'm telling you, it's, the exposure is there. And if you sense that, here is what I want to share with you today. And it is simply this. Don't try to cover it up. Don't try to blame it on other folk. It's always somebody else's fault. Don't try to use positive affirmation to ignore your weakness. No. Embrace the weakness and seek God for the right help needed so that God can reveal his strength program and process for your life. Can y'all help me preach this sermon today? Can y'all help me preach? Come on. Everybody repeat after me. Say today. Come on. Say like me. Say today. I'm embracing my weakness. Stop right there. In essence, I admit that my faith is not as strong as it should be. I admit that I do suffer from selfishness. I admit that I, I do wrestle with insecurity. I, I admit that I do wrestle with self-control. I admit that I'm half committed to my church. I admit that I do struggle with follow-through. I got vision, but I don't have any follow-through with the vision. There is nothing wrong with being weak just as long as you're operating in healthy weakness that pushes us to embrace our weakness so that we can submit to God's strength program and process for our lives. I don't know about y'all, but I'm weak. And I can admit in this season of my life that some of the doors that have closed, it wasn't their fault. It was my fault. Okay, let me talk to you. Some of the tension that you're experiencing in your relationships, it ain't your boo or your bae's fault. It's your fault. Y'all don't help me here. Some of the trouble and trials that we're going through, it may not even be that God wanted you to go through it. Some of it is your own disobedience. Here's the reality. When you embrace the weakness, when you're willing to lift your eyes toward heaven and say, Lord, I'm weak, it is at that moment that God says, I can come into your life, watch this, and give you the strength that you need in order for you to be all that I've called you to be. I'm weak. Wait, 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 wait. The sermon only has one point. Did you forget the one point? Wait, let's go over it again. Come on, let's go over it again. What was it? I told you, you should have wrote your notes down. Here it is. You ready? It is simply this, possessing godly strength to manage life's difficulties. It doesn't start with us being strong. It actually starts with us being weak. Paul says, for when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. <laughs> I knew I was coming to this church, and I knew I know how biblically astute y'all are. And so I want you to know that though I'm dealing with this one little verse, uh, the B clause of the latter part of, of this verse, I haven't deviated from the context. Uh, I, I haven't. I hadn't deviated from context. Here's what I want you to understand. The Apostle Paul is the writer of these words, and when Paul writes them, when you look at the context of this passage, Paul is actually, in this passage, defending his apostleship. That's what he's doing. He's defending his what? His apostleship. Why you got to do that? Because there are people in the congregation who are questioning his credentials and the anointing over his life. Can you believe that? Paul got folk questioning the anointing 
and, and his credentials, oh, he ain't all of that. His message, oh, no, what he preached, that ain't nothing, right? No, that's false. I mean, you got folk questioning Paul's credentials and the anointing over his life. And let me just say this before I go any further. Whenever God has a call over your life to do a special work, there will always be people to question the legitimacy of your call. Maybe this is the reason why one of my preaching mentors once said, he said these words, he says, whenever people question the anointing over your life, here's what he says. He says, spend less time focusing on them and more time focusing in on him, God, Jesus Christ. Now, y'all can sit there and act like I ain't preaching to y'all if y'all want to. But I guarantee you the reason why you're so frustrated on the level that you're frustrated in this season of your life is because you spent more time focusing in on them and less time focusing in on him. You focusing in on what they saying, but you missing out on what God has been saying. You so focused in on what they are doing that you're missing out on how God is moving in spite of what they are doing. I know I'm preaching now. Some of y'all can't even enjoy the worship because you so focused on them, right? The fourth is tomorrow, and you just can't wait. Lord, have mercy. We're going to be popping fireworks, but it's going to be some other fireworks popping because I remember what she said. Lord, I'm going to give her a piece. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Have a God to see you. You're missing the whole thing. You're focused in on them that you're missing out on him. They going to talk. Y'all going to help me in the building. They going to always question the legitimacy of what God is attempting to do, but in this season, you've got to decide, man, and this, I'm connected with him. That, that's the reason why I came to church today. Look, I didn't just come here to see y'all. I didn't come here just to see Pastor Johnson. I'm here because I'm trying to connect with him. I'm trying to connect on a greater, grander level with God and Jesus Christ. This is, in essence, this is not the season for you to relax on your prayer life. This is the season for you to intensify your prayer life. This is not the season for you, Lord, have mercy, to just come to worship just to get credit. No, this is the season for you when you come here to really try to get in the presence of the Lord. This is why the praise team shouldn't have to push you to get happy. Praise God. Lord, have mercy. Raise your hand. Do the stanky leg. Child, please, I don't need none of that. When I came in here, I came in here because I came to get close to him now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. I'm trying to get close to him. Paul is defending his apostleship. <laughs> but it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, when you look at how Paul is defending his apostleship, it's, ama it's amazing how he does it. Because now he's leading these people. And he needs these folk to understand, wait, 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 God is with me. I know y'all may not agree with it. I know y'all may not, y'all may question it. But I want y'all to know, God is with me, dude. Right? God, God. God has got his hand on me. I'm not a fake. I'm not a fake. God is with me. And, and it's amazing because how Paul begins to defend himself, Paul begins to defend himself not by, watch this, boasting in the text, boasting about his strengths. But actually what he does is he starts highlighting his weaknesses. I mean, this... This is amazing. And let me tell you why it's amazing. 
it's amazing because if, that had, if this had been some of us and, and folk were questioning our apostleship, questioning the anointing over our life, we'd have been throwing up our shrimps. I went to school here. Uh, I, I know these folk. This is my last name, right? I, I done done this in life. I mean, we, we would have been, I mean, just throwing up and, and you got to be careful because now I believe God wants all of us to be confident in what God has done in our life. I, no, I don't want to rob you of confidence. No, no, I, I think it's all right to have confidence in who you are and what God is seeking to do. But now, know this, there is a thin line between confidence and arrogance. And whenever you get arrogant, that's the point where you start getting self-centered and you start convincing yourself and other folk that you are where you are because of you. All right? And I'm going to tell you this. If you want to get fired by God, walk around like you did it. Y'all want to help me. Walk around and act like you got that job because of you. I, I wish I had a witness in the building. Walk around it in here like, like, like you're here today because you done dotted every I and crossed every T. Girl, please. Man, please. You are here today because of God. Paul wants us to understand, I don't have to throw out my shrimps. No. I'm going to present my weakness because I want y'all to understand this. I would not be who I am and where I am if it had not been. No, no, I, I had to stop right there because the truth of the matter is, I don't know about y'all, but I'm here today because of God's power. Not, not Paul, I'm weak. Ain't, ain't nothing to me. Have I got a witness in the building? People oftentimes, Keelan, how you do this? No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. I could try to, try to blame it on this, going to school here and doing this. No, 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 no. I am where I am, not because of my own strength, but because of the strength of God. I'm weak. Yeah. Uh, Paul wants us to understand in this text, God, listen to me, does some of his best work in weak and vulnerable people. Are you weak enough to receive God's strength? Are you humble enough to be a recipient of the strength of God? Um, Paul says, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. Uh, there is a, there's a term that I want you to remember. It's, 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 a, it's a beautiful term. Those of you who are in the sociology field, you perhaps heard this at some point. The term is called the beautiful mess effect. Beautiful mess effect. Beautiful mess effect. It, 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 means, it means other people view our vulnerabilities more positively than we do. That's what beautiful mess effect means. In essence, some of us today, you're here and there is some weakness. There is some vulnerability that you currently are wrestling with. And you're so busy trying to pray it away. Lord, remove this. Remove this. Don't get me wrong. Now, now we're not talking about sin here. Now, sin, Lord, remove that. Right? I'm talking about weaknesses, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm talking about thorns, like, like he's mentioning in this passage, right? I'm, I'm talking about those things in your life that, that you had nothing to do with. It, it, it was something that, that you were born with, perhaps. It, it was some, some deficiency that you have. That, that's what we're talking about. Paul here says, I, I wrestle with that and the beautiful mess effect. It's amazing because oftentimes we want to pray certain things away, like with my anxiety. When the pandemic first happened, I'll be honest with y'all. I prayed every day, Lord, remove this anxiety. I prayed every day, Lord, remove it. 
It's uncomfortable. And, and, and I, I prayed, I prayed, and can I tell you this? It's still with me. I did everything they told me. Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know. If I would draw thyself from me, oh, whether shall I go? I got the anointing oil, put it on my head. Lord, remove it. I shouted, I ran, and it's still there. Y'all don't help me here. I had a lady to tell me, I had a lady to tell me, the reason why you're dealing with anxiety, Pastor, because you ain't got enough faith. You ain't got a lot, a lot of focus. I said, ma'am, please. You can have faith, you can have focus, and there are some, watch this, thorns that God will allow us to live with, whether you like it or not. And can I tell you this? Just maybe, beautiful mess effect. God has allowed that mess, just maybe, God has allowed that de deficiency to be attached to your life because it's bigger than you. <laughs> Y'all don't like me today. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe God has attached some of that mess, some of those deficiencies to your life because God desires to use it, watch this, to bring healing to hurting people. And one of the ways that you know that you have spiritually matured is when you can learn to embrace your deficiency. When you learn how to embrace that mess with the testimony that, Lord, if it brings you glory, I'll keep it. If it brings you glory, I wake up in the morning with this testimony. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I I'm going to tell you this. I woke up this morning with my anxious self. Thank you. Because I'm getting ready to preach to somebody, especially in this pandemic season where mental health has gone to another level. And there's going to be somebody at that church today with the testimony. You ain't the only one wrestling with anxiety. And matter of fact, I got, I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with all kinds of stuff. And the fact that you are up there preaching with your anxious self, if God can use you, then God can use me too. I'm going to tell you this, I started feeling better when I started embracing it. I used to wake up like dog on it. Here it is again. No, I wake up every morning. Thank you, Lord. I thank you that you allow me to carry it because you're getting ready to take me to some places that, watch this, my non-anxious self couldn't go, but the anxiety is going to take me to platforms that I never knew. I wish I had a witness places that I never knew with people that I never knew needed the ministry that you will put in me in Embrace your weakness. Uh, um, um, I only got one point. Um, I, I, I only got one point to the sermon. <laughs> Just one. Um, did, did you forget the one point? Let's go over it again. What, what is the one point? Watch this. Y'all don't forgot it. All right? Come on. What is the one point? Uh, Possessing godly strength to manage life difficulties doesn't start with us being strong. It starts with us being weak. Uh, Paul says, I'm done. I'm a Baptist preacher. This is my third close. I'm out of here. Um, Paul, Paul says, for when I am weak, 
then I am strong. Um, Paul closes, this is how I want to close. If you go back and you read the chapter, you'll find Paul gets real transparent about his weakness. Um, and, and it's transparent. Paul shares with us that I had a thorn in my flesh. I had a deficiency. I, I had a thorn in my flesh. And Paul says, like you, I prayed that God would remove it. Text says that he prayed three times, but actually when you do proper study of that passage, the three times is, is to suggest that every time he thought about the thorn, Lord, remove it. And can I tell you what the Lord told him? Keelan Duke's translation. Um, Lord, remove it. This is what the Lord told him. Paul, no. I'm not going to remove it. I'm not going to remove it. I know some of y'all, y'all messed up. Because oftentimes when we talk about prayer, you know, we acknowledge, okay, God does answer prayer, but there are at least three ways in which God answers prayer. One, God will say yes. Woo, that's the part we shout, yay. God says yes. <laughs> yes, he says yes. There are times when God will say not yet, be patient. It's, it's not that it's, it's a no, it's just be patient. That might be a word to somebody today. You trying to overcome overnight. Wait. He'll say yes. He'll say not yet, but then he'll also say no. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes it's tough to live with God's no. My mother, many of you probably remember her coming here with my father. She's no longer with us. She's a blessed memory to us now. And I can't tell you that when I, when I look at my phone and I see her number and I, I, I can't call because she's not, I can't tell you that when I come to church and I don't see and I don't hear her voice, she was from St. Louis, had that thick St. Louis, you know, that, just real country, but we, we love her anyhow. I, I, when I don't hear her in worship, I can't tell y'all that I'm not hurt and there is no pain there. God said no. Now, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when the Lord took her, I was like, Lord, I, I don't, why? If you wanted to take somebody in my family, I, I could have shared with you some other folk you could have taken. <laughs> you want to take somebody in my church? I got some folk there too. But as I mature, I'm done. But as I mature in the faith, I've come to understand, Jay, that I didn't deserve God's yes. I didn't. I didn't deserve his yes. God gave me his yes by grace. I don't like his no. But I'm learning to mature to understand that God is good when he said yes. And he's still good when he says no. No, Paul. But he says, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you something to make it through. I know you came here, the Eastern Star, and you upset with the nose of, of God in your life. But I'm going to give you something to make it through. I'm going to give you my grace. That's what he says. Grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My, I'm, I'm going to give you my grace. Now, I wrote in my notes that this was the part when, when, when I said grace, this was the part of the sermon that Eastern Star was going to lose it. Because... One of the things about good Baptist folk is whenever the word grace is mentioned in church, we just lose it. 
Matter of fact, we don't even have to be in church. Just, just the mentioning of grace. We, we probably don't even remember, Lord have mercy, the one point of the sermon. But, but if you mention grace, family, what, what did the preacher talk about? I don't know, but he said grace. It's just something about grace that, that moves us because some of us can testify, I'm here today because of his grace. I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 I know, I know, I know I've been trying to act all refined in the sermon, but this is where I lose it, grace. I, I don't know, but I'm a grace case. Grace, grace it's, it's the unmerited favor of God. It's, it's God giving to me what I don't deserve. I, I don't deserve to be alive. I, I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be in this sanctuary today, but God through his grace. Oh, oh, I know why you're not shouting though. You're not shouting because you don't know what kind of grace this is. Uh, a proper study of this grace uh, that is mentioned in this passage, it is what scholars call sustaining grace. Uh, uh, sustaining grace. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, sustaining grace. Uh, sustaining grace is, is that kind of grace when, when you're weak and you can't make it on your own. Sustaining grace shows up when you need him to and gives you everything you need watch this to make it through the day now notice i said through the day because god's grace watch this it it's 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 for the day but but watch this when you make up the next day god gives you new grace new mercy Rem, how am i gonna make it by the end of the week just trust god for today's grace and God says that, that when you wake up the next day, I'll have grace to meet you, Lord, have mercy, afresh. New grace, new mercy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Um, I'm done. For when I am weak, Paul says, he says, then I am strong. I, I'm done. Uh, my, my father, I'm, 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 gonna close. I'm not going to even hoop. I'm, I'm, I'm going to close up this way. Um, my father tells me this story about when he was a young preacher, he went to preach a revival. And as he was preaching a revival, there was this woman there by the name of Mrs. Ball. She was a seasoned saint. Uh, Mrs. Ball walked real slow. Real slow. Uh, let me go over here because they're getting jealous. Uh, 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 real slow. After every step, though, she would, watch this, she, she would make, Mrs. Ball would always utter these words. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Y'all getting jealous again. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My father, being an inquisitive preacher and being an inquisitive person, he goes over to Mrs. Ball and he said, Mrs. Ball, how come you walk so slow? He was a young man then. How come you walk so slow and after every step you say, thank you, Lord? And Mrs. Ball said, young man, I'd be glad to answer that. She says, a few years ago, uh, I, I was in a very bad wreck. I was paralyzed from the waist down. And the doctor told me, I'll never walk again. That's what the doctor said. That's what the doctor said. That's what the doctor said. But she said, I know another doctor. I went to him because I know a doctor named King Jesus. And I said, Jesus, I know what that doctor said. But I believe you got the final word. And Lord, my prayer is that 
you would allow me to walk again. She says, and if you allow me to walk again, I'll thank you for every step. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In essence, Mrs. Ball was attempting to let us know that life had weakened her. But with every step, she said, thank you, because God had given her the sustaining grace with every step she made. I'm sitting in my seat, but I just want you to know that I only had one point to discern. I, I, I really did. I, I only had one point, and this is how I'm going to close. Possessing godly strength to manage life's difficulties. It doesn't start with you being strong. It starts with you being weak. I close with these words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and this righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Being strong is overrated.